So, I was going to my doctor one day and, and pulled into the parking lot and uh, parked in a spot that said patient parking, good spot to park. Went inside, talked to the receptionist and said, hey, I just parked in a spot with a sign on it that said patient parking. If I'm not feeling too patient today, can I still park there? You know, and, and you know, we, had a, we shared a good chuckle over it, you know, the word play and all that kind of stuff. But I tell you what, Peter is one who wasn't joking. He was one who that day... Um, he truly, indeed, had no patience. He had no patience. I mean, he had seen Jesus alive, and um, now what does he do? You know, you've got to figure out what, what the next step is here. And he lost patience waiting on Jesus and trying to figure out what, what the next step was. So he rounded up the guys, and he said, Hey, guys, tell you what, let's go back to our former way of life. Let's go fishing. And that night, Scripture says, they caught nothing which is the way impatience works. It's really counterproductive. It doesn't really produce a whole lot of good. And Peter found that out that night. Now, when Jesus finally caught up with Peter, what we can see is that Jesus asked Peter one question, and, and one question really only. It was this question. Peter, do you love me? Now, why did Jesus ask Peter this question? Could it be that the reason why Jesus asked Peter this question is because Peter had displayed a lack of patience. And Paul says that love is expressed through something like patience. So there, therefore, Jesus had to wonder. He had to ask, Peter, do you love me? Now, patience doesn't mean that we should say yes or uh, enable bad behavior to continue. What it does mean, what, what patience does mean, is that it means getting rid of the me-first attitude. It means getting rid of the, uh, I, call all the sh- I get to call all the shots around here kind of an attitude. It means changing that kind of an attitude toward other people, which is tough for a lot of us, isn't it? You know, to get rid of that kind of a thing. The prayer that one ought to pray, but pray with great caution, is the prayer, Lord, grant me patience. Because, you know, if you don't approach it cautiously, you might be in for some surprises here as God begins to teach you patience. This last week, as I was beginning to think about this message on patience, I was headed off to the LCMC Lead Pastors Conference in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And you can't really, uh, it's not too convenient anyway, to drive to Albuquerque from here, okay? So you've got to go through the airport. And when you go through the airport, it becomes an exercise in what? Patience, exactly. You know, so um, thus began my class from the Lord and this thing called patience. Because I showed up, you know, first of all, I was going to fly at an airline that I wasn't used to flying. I, I had a credit from a flight that I had to cancel last fall when I changed my plans and uh, applied it to this one. So I was flying this new airline and showed up at the airport two hours in advance, which is my routine, two, hour in, two hours in advance of my flight. And when I got there, I discovered, lo and behold, my flight was canceled. Now, <clears throat> I've never had it, that I can recall anyway, and some people might say, oh, you've been blessed, brother, but I've never had a canceled flight before. 
And this was a day when the weather was perfect. As a matter of fact, I don't think there was any inclement weather anywhere in the country. I mean, and the flight was canceled. And so they told me, you know, okay, I've got a couple of options. I can either wait for another flight that goes to Albuquerque later on in the day, or I can take a flight to Phoenix that leaves in a half hour. And if I take the one that leaves in a half hour, I should be able to get to Albuquerque a whole lot sooner because I'll transfer in Phoenix. So I said, okay, give me the one that leaves in a half hour. Well, when I got to the plane, I realized, and got my ticket and everything, I realized that while I had booked myself for a nice aisle seat in my flight to Albuquerque, I didn't have the opportunity with this one to be able to, you know, designate the seat. So I got on the plane, and lo and behold, my seat on this flight is a middle seat between two sumo wrestlers, you know, with elbows. At least they seem that way. Anyway, when you're sitting in the middle seat and there's just no room at all, I mean, you're just kind of scrunched in like this for a three-and-a-half-hour flight. And then the seat itself was the most uncomfortable seat that I have ever sat on in my life. I mean, this thing was horrible. It made the uh, folding chairs in the Koinonia room seem like a lazy boy by comparison. Now, at the last service, I, I made the mistake of, of referring to a Barca lounger, even though I didn't know what that was. And Pat said, hey, this is Michigan. It's Lazy Boy, buddy, you know. So, you know, it seemed like Lazy Boy in, in comparison. You know, this thing was horrible. So I, I, there was this, this uh, flight attendant came along and got the flight attendant's attention. I said, hey, you know, this thing is horrible. Is there any way to adjust this seat? This thing is just torture. And the flight attendant said, no, and walked off. <laughs> Well, so here I am for this three-and-a-half-hour flight between two sumo wrestlers, you know, squeezed in here in the most uncomfortable seat that I've ever experienced in my life. And yes, indeed, folks, my patience was being challenged. It was. Finally, you know, this sumo wrestler here got up to go to the bathroom, and as soon as he did, I breathed a sigh of relief, stood up, I sprung to freedom, and turned around and tried to monkey around with my chair and try to figure out how to adjust it, and sure enough, I was able to do it. You know, the thing does have an adjustment on it. And, and then, you know, I was able to sit back and enjoy the remaining 15 minutes of the flight. I mean, it was great. <laughs> but I was thinking to myself, why in the world could this flight attendant not have told me that this thing was adjustable? After all, I could adjust it. Did I tell you that my patience was being tra- challenged that day? And I finally made it to Phoenix. And I sprinted off the plane and uh, ran to catch my connecting flight to Albuquerque discovered once I got there that it was delayed. Well, I did finally make it in Albuquerque, and once I made it there, you know, I had discovered that, yes, indeed, Lord, uh, my patience has been under attack. And while this was a wonderful, wonderful conference, there was a breakout session that I wasn't reading in the brochure that I was apparently taking, and that was on patience. Well, Peter, Peter's patience was gone. Mine was thin, but it wasn't gone yet. Peter's patience was gone. So Peter went fishing. He went back to his life the way that it was. Tired of waiting for Jesus, and now they had nothing to show for their efforts until Jesus showed up. And in the Old Testament, there's King Saul. You know, King Saul in the Old Testament, he was the first king of Israel. He was anointed king by Samuel the prophet, great Samuel. And uh, in those days, they had kind of this balance of power. You know, these days, we've got these three branches of government. Then what they had was the king and God ruling over the king. Kind of a great way to do it, isn't it? And uh, because God, you know, spoke through 
the prophet, really the prophet then had authority in many ways over the king. And the prophet Samuel told, told Saul, when Saul was preparing for battle, he said, Saul, wait for me to go into battle until I get there. Jonathan, Saul's son, had stirred up a hornet's nest with the Philistines by attacking one of their garrisons and uh, really defeating it. And he stirred up this hornet's nest of Philistines, and all the Philistines were mad. They were coming out in full force, and they were going to attack the Israelites. So Saul mustered the army, and the army was beginning to desert. So he couldn't wait any longer, he felt. He couldn't wait any longer for the Lord. And, you know, that's the thing, is that patience is something that involves waiting for the Lord. And, And sometimes... Waiting is hard. It's hard when the Philistines are coming against you. It's hard when the soldiers are deserting. It's hard when things are looming and threats are there to wait for the Lord. So Saul didn't wait. And Samuel, when he came, he he saw what Saul had done. And he said these words in 1 Samuel 13. You acted foolishly, Saul. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God that he gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You know, it might seem kind of harsh, this kind of response to this thing. But the point is this. The point is this, that impatience leads to bad things. It leads to undesired consequences. Whether it's Peter laboring the fishing boat for nothing or whether it's Saul, who has his kingdom stripped from him. Well, meanwhile, back at the conference, at the LCMC conference, back in Albuquerque, God was not done teaching me yet. Oh, no, not, not you know, for a long shot. God had uh, quite a few sessions for me to go through yet. So back there in Albuquerque, you know, it was a three-day conference, and each morning we had the blessing, really, of a made-to-order omelet breakfast. So we would step up to the table and uh, give the omelet maker uh, the uh, ingredients that we would like to have in our omelet, and he would go ahead and make it right in front of us. You know, a great thing. And uh, the first day, the, the guy was really pretty good. The second day and third day, we had a different guy that was there, and a uh, big guy, omelet maker. And uh, this guy, you know, as I bellied up to the table there, I discovered had his own way of doing things, and he was kind of slow. So what he would do is, you know, you'd instruct, you know, hey, I'd like some onions in my omelet. So he would take his big spoon, dip it in the bowl, tap it, you know, make sure that it just kind of, you know, settles in there a little bit, make sure that there's no onions that are going to fall off the, the spoon, and then slowly bring it over to the pan and dump it in. Made me think twice about asking for a second ingredient. <laughs> I wanted to instruct him and say, you know, you don't need to have the precise number of onions on that spoon. It's okay if something falls off. It's fine. It's, you know, it's, it's not a problem. If you shortchange me, not a problem. This is good. You know, and then the guy behind me, you know, while I'm, you know, keeping my patience in check, you know, I'm not letting anybody know that, you know, I'm kind of on the edge here. And the guy behind me says to me, uh, you know, isn't this great? Wouldn't it be great if we could just take this guy home with us? We could have a made-to-order omelet every morning. And I was thinking, yeah, great, kind of like a root canal. Great, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, but, but the thing is that in the middle of all of this, the Lord was teaching me something. As this guy said this, I realized that he was seeing something that I wasn't seeing, and I wasn't seeing it because of my impatience, because you see, impatience misses the blessing. 
Here I was being given a made-to-order omelet. And by impatience, I was missing the blessing. King Saul was anointed the king of Israel by God. God would not let his anointed fall. But he missed the blessing. Peter saw Jesus alive, resurrected. And yet his impatience caused him to miss the blessing. Impatience causes us to miss the blessing. But the Lord wasn't done teaching me yet. No, not at all. It turns out that impatience also gives up hope. It gives up hope. It says that there's little of any possibility of anything changing, that this, what it is right now, is about as good as it's going to get. I mean, this is it. You know, if it was anything better than this, well, we'd be moving on from this, wouldn't we? Therefore, impatience is hopeless. It gives up hope. Well, at the end of the conference, I had a shuttle pick me up to bring me to the airport. And I think the shuttle van driver had been on far too many of the good drugs for far too long. And uh, he saw that this was a wonderful opportunity to preach a sermon to me. And yes, he knew that I was a pastor. Preach a sermon to me about the virtues and the blessings of New Age religion all the way to the airport. When I finally got to the airport, after all of this, I uh, grabbed my bag out of the van and went inside of the airport and went up to the kiosk where I get my, my ticket and went to the line where I would check my, my luggage. Everybody in the line had also gotten their ticket. They were all waiting in line for, uh, to be able to check their luggage. There were eight of us in line and three airline employees waiting on the eight of us. Not a problem, right? Problem is this. The words line and patience rarely belong together in the same sentence, do they? So here we had these eight people standing in line with their tickets in hand and uh, waiting to check their luggage, three employees waiting on them. It took us 30 minutes to make it through eight people. And the guy in front of me turned to me and said, see that guy over there? I saw him over there at a kiosk. He arrived later than me. He arrived after me. And he came over to the kiosk. The woman over there, she saw him at the kiosk that he was having trouble. So she went out there, helped him out. She must have fallen in love with him because she brought him up to the counter. And she's helping him now in front of, in front of me. And at that moment, I probably should have played a Jonah and said, I am the man. Throw me overboard. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time, man. The Lord's teaching me patience here. Save yourself. Throw me to the, you know, throw me to the lost luggage department, something, you know. The Lord's not done with me yet here. But I didn't say that. Instead, I said, yes. It is amazing how the airport teaches one patience, doesn't it? <laughs> Thankfully, the Lord, His timing is perfect. And at that very moment, the man was called up to the counter so that he could be helped and his luggage could be checked. Otherwise, he might have slugged me right in that moment. But the Lord's timing is perfect. And it turned out that it wasn't hopeless at all. We all got our luggage checked. We made our planes, but there was more. The Lord had more to teach me. It turns out that, that impatience also gives up on faith. Oh, and that's the toughest one of all. That's the one that, that can really bring me to my knees. 
Okay, back, backing up the timetable just a little bit here. To, before that van driver showed up, the last day of the conference, you know, here we are, and the host pastor for the conference, he is going around and he is uh, uh, asking uh, for people to contribute financially toward a tip for our omelet server. And I'm thinking, eh, there might be a tip or two I'd like to give him. But um, no, I did give financially. I, I did do that. And um, after a little while, the omelet server, big guy, you know, comes out and he's got tears streaming down his face. And he said, I just got to tell you all, nobody's ever done this for me before. You know, nobody's ever done it. I'm, I'm just really just, I'm just moved. I, I'm beside myself. I just don't know what to say. I mean, this is incredible. Just thank you. Thank you for this. And he was through with his speech. You know, somebody, you know, called us over for the conference. We've got to get over to the other side of the room and, and begin the conference. And um, so, you know, dutifully, I picked up my, my dishes and things, and I was going to bust them over to the tray over by the wall and, and had to pass by Walt Kalistad talking one-on-one with our omelet server. And uh, Walt Kalistad is uh, a uh, pastor of a megachurch in the LCMC down in Phoenix, he uh, is a guy that, he, he was a conference participant just like me, and, uh, you know, back at his home church, he preaches to thousands every week. He, you know, hangs out with the movers and shakers in Phoenix. He golfs with the owner of the Phoenix Suns. He uh, was good friends with uh, Robert Schuler, uh, and from this conference, he was flying out to participate in Robert Schuler's funeral, because Robert Schuler passed away. And uh, here, as I was walking, carrying my dishes over to bust them over to the tray, uh, here is Walt Kalistad humbly talking with our omelet server. And as I passed them, I overheard their conversation, and Walt was speaking with our omelet server about Jesus, about the church, about matters of faith. And in that moment, I was humbled. I said, okay, Lord, I get it. (laughs) I get it, Lord. All right? You know, I get it that impatience can even cause a person to miss opportunities for faith. Impatience, you see, costs you something. It costs you something. It costs you your relationships. It costs you your life. It costs you, which is why Paul said, love, which is also known as the most excellent way is expressed through patience. Therefore, practice patience. Because patience is not so much mastered as it is practiced. Let me say that again. Patience is not so much mastered as it is practiced. And that's good news for me because, you know, I stumble and I will continue to stumble in this area. But I can look at the Lord and see the kind of patience that He has demonstrated for me, that He is the Master, and learn from Him what's important. And what's important is to practice patience so that we might not miss the blessing or the hope or the faith, or especially so that you might not miss the love expressed and received. Therefore, practice patience. Amen.